You're listening to the Off the Line Soccer Podcast. Back, everybody, to Off the Line. My name's Jack. I'm joined by Jake and Aiden today to discuss what was overall pretty terrible uh, set of results for Everton and Manchester United. But before we get into that, how, how are you guys doing? Jake, how are you? I'm not great. I'm not going to lie to you. Just very disappointed. As I was telling Aiden, just tired of the Europa League and not looking forward to being back to it. But you know what? I'm breathing, so that could be worse. Aiden, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Mm-hmm. Watching lots of games and school is coming to an end this semester. I can't wait to uh, get on Christmas break, so it's okay. I'm enjoying my video games, FIFA, NHL, and United. It's just what it is. How about you, Jack? Yeah, I'm all right. I uh, made a terrible decision to actually get up at 7.30 a.m. Eastern time to watch Everton drop points away to Burnley. So that was obviously not not the best situation, but you know it could always be worse. It was very annoying, but I think we should jump straight into it. Obviously, we're recording this right after Manchester United lose two, uh, three to two to Leipzig, which means they won't progress into the next round of the champions league. Um, do you guys want to give your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I'll take it first. And this probably won't be long. I'm just, just disappointed. It's just United United needed four points from their last four group games to qualify for the knockout stages. And they didn't do it. I mean, that's that's pretty bad. Like Aiden said last week, if you lose half your group games, you probably don't deserve to go through in the end. So can't really complain too much about it. Um, yeah, they just you know, they just weren't good enough. Basically, uh, they had a nice. They started playing once they came once they went three 0 down, which obviously is not a recipe for success. Um, yeah, Leipzig not that great, but. They had a obviously a, a really good start, which really just propelled them through the rest of the game. They they kind of really coasted through there through the, the rest of the game after that and just defended their lead, which is fair enough. Uh, they did what they had to do to get through a couple of scary moments at the end for them, uh, with Mukiele almost scoring his own net, but it didn't come to pass. So uh, they did what they had to do to get through to the next round. Um, United dropped down to the Europa League. Not looking forward to to playing on Thursdays again. Um, yeah, I don't really know what else to say. Really, just just wasn't wasn't really good performance from United. They, we saw it against West Ham too at the weekend. They just came out like napping for the first half. Um, they weren't they weren't great. They weren't playing up to their standards. Uh, they should be doing much better. Um, we were kind of surprised by the. Well, I was kind of surprised by the formation that they started with this game. I didn't think that they'd be playing three or five at the back. I thought it'd be like a four-two-three-one, just what we've grown used to. Um, I'm sure the management had their reasons for picking the formation. They probably identified some weaknesses in Leipzig that they thought the formation could expose the best. Obviously, it didn't come to pass. Uh, <clears throat> United just conceding a couple of sloppy goals, especially the third one, uh, which ended up being the match-winning uh, goal, just a big mix-up between De Gea and Maguire, and neither of them were were strong enough. Neither of them took command of the situation and just cleared the ball. It was just sloppy play like that. That 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 that's the reason why United deserved 
uh, didn't deserve, sorry, to go through uh, on the overall in the grand scheme of things. It's just really disappointing considering the position you know we're in six points after two games. Uh, yeah, it's it's really sad. Um, just if the if the fortunes were reversed and say United would have gotten off to a poor start and then uh, really turned it on the, the further in the group, then I would have been fine with that. It would have been less hard to take, but it's just the fact that United were so close and they just couldn't quite get there. That That's really disappointing for me. Um, I'm not sure what else to mention, uh, really. I haven't really touched on the game too much, but uh, either way, United uh, scoring their two goals late, just what we've seen from United uh, recently, but this time it just wasn't enough. Um, and yeah, uh, Aiden, what would you think about this one? Yeah, it was really, uh, I think it was a combination of the, like any defeat or any win, it's a combination of the manager and the players. I was kind of expecting a back five, but I don't think it was warranted to use a lot of players that don't play very many minutes, like Matic and uh, Shaw. Shaw with his first game back from injury. I don't really think he was expected to start especially in a left center back role. I'm not blaming him at all. It's just the communication and the familiarity there is probably not going to be the best idea uh, when you need to, to kind of draw or win to go through. And I think that's what the kind of the system was set up just to draw. That's what it looked like to me playing with Matt, Ditch McTominay and the back five. It's kind of odd to me though, that the, both the goals, well, the first two goals, at least, came from kind of being outnumbered in the defensive areas or there's a man over on the, the weak side in both situations for the goals, even though you're playing with a back five. It's almost like, I think Tellez was a bit, he was a bit out there. He was a bit a bit higher for most of the game, but Juan Basaka and, and certainly, I guess, Tellez, but I don't know. They just were too, they were too close, close together. All the defenders for the goals, they were too tight, especially on the first one. You saw Wambasaka getting exposed and mentioned Angelino right before he scored, how he was the biggest threat for Leipzig and the, the most chances created for them in the, in the champions league. And then 30 seconds later, he puts it in the back of the net. Um, I'd like to see two ends. from the start seems a bit more of a commanding player and, honestly a leader than the likes of Shaw and, and Lindelof. But I don't really think that a back five was actually necessary, even though I, I kind of was predictable because I've seen uh, Solskjaer play the back five in other big games in the past. I would have gone with a 4-2-3-1 with maybe Matic and Van de Beek, Bruno and uh, Greenwood up top and then Rashford and, and Mata, something like that. But I think that's where he got it wrong. He went for the back five. He kind of invited a bit of pressure. And we've seen under Ole that the teams never really get off to a good start. And I think that could be partly down to him. But I don't think there's really a lot of leaders in the group. And every game this season, nearly away from home, we've seen that they've had to get score on, scored on to really waken up kind of thing. And, yeah, there's not really too much else to say. I, I don't really think it's it's funny to say because it's supposedly the group of death, but it's not really that hard of a group, in my opinion, to go through. Leipzig are not that great of a team, I don't think. Um, every time you go forward against them, they look like they can concede a goal, which I guess is the same for United, but 
Mm, I think I'd be ruining more more of the Bashaksha here performance away from home. That wasn't very good at all. I think it was away from home, right, Jake? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, that would be the big uh, the big talking talking point. I mean, could have taken more chances against PSG, but those games will come around every once in a while. When you're playing from behind, you're not going to be able to score every single shot when you're on the comeback trail. So I think it was kind of hinged on the Bishaksha here. I'd rather just not be in the Europa League like Jake was touching on and just play in the league, but maybe it'll be Ole's first trophy up against a side like Real Madrid. It could be could be difficult at some stage. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, it's disappointing, but it, it's not really that that surprising with how United play. And yeah, I think it's just more hits home because of the position that they were in, like Jake was touching on. They're winning their hardest games early on. Yeah, for sure. And they really just did bottle it. Like, you can't really be said any other way. I don't really think there's a lot of urgency from the players. And I think after you smash a team 5 nothing at their – or at your stadium, you should just go out and try to control the game and, and make them feel like you're threatening them. And the commentator, Alan Smith, touched on it. Maybe if it's a different shape, Juan Bissaka could be pushing up more and, and pushing Angelino back or someone else could be on the right wing, pushing him back more, giving him something to worry about early on in the match because he was really the out ball for the first 20 to 30 minutes of the match. Uh, that's all I really have to say. I'm not really that surprised. And I... I was saying to Jake before the match, it wasn't a, it wasn't a massive factor. Well, I guess it kind of was, but it it's not the deciding factor in the game. But I don't really feel confident when De Gea plays anymore. A lot of the goals he concedes, he doesn't even dive, so you don't even know how close he could get to the ball. Even if he did go for it, he just kind of stands there and puts his arms out, or just turns to the side with some weird arm movement. Yeah, I mean, not that Dean Henderson would have done better, but I think De Gea is kind of becoming past his best and he's not very commanding at all he doesn't make certain decisions yeah he's almost a liability at this point as, as yeah much as it hurts to say because obviously i love him he's like my favorite goalkeeper of all time but mm-hmm. it's not looking good yeah if it's a sharp angle and they're trying to go across the goal he can make a good save with his feet that other goalkeepers wouldn't make but he doesn't dive at the ball with his hands in a, in like close situations or really take command of his area so but I don't really think the game is on him. I think it's a lot of it was to do with the shape and just kind of playing for the draw. But I'm not only out. We'll see how the league form progresses. The only shining light, I'd say, about the Europa League is that if they come up against weaker sides, at least this season, it appears that they could have a bit more squad depth than they would have last year. So. Yeah, we'll just see how the season progresses. You can't really do anything about it now, uh from the position it was just really bottling it like we'd we'd make fun of other clubs for doing but yeah like you said losing half your games in the group stage in the group of death which really isn't that hard in my opinion yeah you're not really deserving to go through you're not showing that big big club mentality what do you think jack I'm just going to go in before Jack, like you said, literally the thing that hurts the most about this is that, is that loss away to Istanbul. You still, you still think about the defending there for those goals. And, um, and just the fact that if you never would have won that one, 12 games from, they would have had, sorry, they would have had 12 points from four games, assuming they would have won the next one too. 
guaranteed first place in the groove. They could just relax for the last two games, nothing riding on it. But then it's weird how just one game against a, a smaller club with respect to them, uh, one game against a smaller club can just really derail the whole Champions League campaign for United. I know I'm not sure about you, Aiden, but I know I was convinced that we're getting to the quarterfinals at the at the bare minimum, considering the way that they were playing it. And just to be knocked down the group stage is just really, really disappointing. Um, but yeah, Jack, what would you think from a neutral point of view? Yeah, I think it's an opportunity missed, like in Istanbul, because that that's the main one that stands out. Obviously, um, it's just United these days. They're just they seem to want to do things the hard way every single time, and a lot of the time they 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 pull it off. But you know, when you get to the Champions League level in a group that is difficult, in Leipzig they are a good team and, and well coached, and you know when when they start the game that poorly defensively and you go 2-0 down, you know, it's kind of hard to beat any team in the Champions League when, when that's the case, especially when you have to really chase the game after that. And, yeah, just out of the block, straight from kickoff, they did not look comfortable at the back. And then once it once it's 2-0, it's, it's very hard to get back into the game. I didn't even think they were they – were, I thought they were shocking defensively up until that point. But after that, especially after halftime, I thought second half they were actually – I thought they were pretty good, um, but it does. It just makes things really, really difficult when you go 2-0 down against a, a top opponent. And yeah, it's it's just not good. They seem to do things like the hard way or leave it to the last minute, that sort of thing, every single time these days. But um, I do think – I think United have a good chance to go very far in the Europa League, if not win it. Because like you guys said, the squad depth is there. And yeah, it just depends on the matchup. Um but I think they can get pretty far if not win it straight. Like they've got so much quality compared to the, these other teams. But um, yeah, I, I would be disappointed. It comes down, like you said, like we, we all agree on this. It just comes down to the fact that they look ready, ready to go ready for the ready to get out of the group stages and move on to the next round. But it's obviously, it's obviously uh, really disappointing. I thought, um, I thought Pogba did really, really well when he came on. Um, but we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll discuss him a little bit later um, with some of the recent comments that have been said by his agent, Mino Rayola. But, uh, you know, they, they did have some, some good chances towards the end. But, again, like when you leave it that late, it's super, super tough and ultimately kind of unsurprising because um, you just never know what, you, what you're going to get from United these days. It's very, like, hit and miss. And if, I was, if I was United fan like you guys, I would be – you know, frustrate. I would be very frustrated too, just because you, you you never know. There's no consistency. It can be really good. It can be really bad, really disappointing, really exciting. All of those things just over the course of even one game. So, uh, yeah, not not good for United, but they'll have to they'll have to make a run in the Europa League. And fortunately, on the weekend, we'll we'll move into the Premier League games. Now they they did get they got a result, and they're up to four. I think they're up into fourth in the Premier League with a game in hand. So they're not in a bad position in the league at all. Uh, I want to start off the Premier League, uh, the Premier League fixtures with, we're not going to talk about all of them today because a lot of them, to be honest, just aren't the, weren't the most interesting. We're going to talk about some of them though. We'll start off with the absolute shambles of performance at 7.30 AM Eastern time, Everton dropping points away to Burnley on a Saturday to start off the weekend. 
did you guys get up for this game? That's the main question. Did you guys actually get up to watch this one? I did get up for it. Um, instantly regretted it, but yeah, I did make it up to, to watch the start of it. Um, Aiden, I'm, I'm assuming you did as well. Yeah, I just I didn't see the first 30 minutes. I saw after the first 30. Did you see Fabian Delph go off injured? I did. I'm not going to say it was funny because it's not funny when someone gets injured, but it just wasn't surprising. This guy has no fitness whatsoever. Fabian Delph, everything was bad. But like right away, we talk about, about coming into this game. It should be a game where Everton looked to sure up their defending. And immediately, three minutes in, Robbie Brady scores after Allen and DeCourie are just not not communicating at all. And the Everton defending, just allowing Robbie Brady to get that shot off. And I know Jordan, it was obviously a really good shot. And I know nothing can be done. Uh, I know this is a really not much that I can say here, except for the fact I truly believe that a taller goalkeeper can get hands to some of these saves. I don't know. Like, do you guys agree with that? I swear, like, Robin Olsen, if if he was in net, I actually think he gets hand to that. Jake, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's fair. It's not. It's also not the first time uh, that's been said about Pickford. I don't know if you guys remember, but at the World Cup, uh, England versus Belgium, when uh, Yanezai scored past them, and then Courtois after the game said that Pickford was was too short and he was too, concentrating too much on just throwing himself in the air, trying to make incredible saves instead of actually being a decent goalkeeper. So it's just a, a funny throwback. It looks like Courtois was ahead of all of us on this one. Yeah, just it's it's not good. It's no criticism. Well, it is part partly criticizing Pickford because I think on some of these shots, I, I thought it was a good shot, but um, I read somewhere that I think Pickford has like the worst um like saving statistics in the top five european leagues from shots outside the box right now he's he's arguably the worst goalkeeper in the league he's not good at all and uh, a real liability i'm not blaming him for this for dropping points in this one though because everton even w- without key players should be able to beat burnley but when you concede a goal in the third minute against burnley you know what they're going to do immediately burnley and i don't blame them for this Burnley wasting time from the third minute onwards, all game, just wasting time, which is which is fine. And Everton just not taking their very few chances that they actually had. I thought that um, Fabian Delph, I know Carlo, Carlo knows the players better than the fans, but Fabian Delph, if he's the backup left back, he's the most unreliable left back in the league because – the first sprint he makes in this game, he, he pulls up with a hamstring problem, which just not good. He's the guy's made out of glass. And as soon as we took him off, we actually, I thought Everton were a lot better, but ultimately it came down to the fact that Everton didn't take their chances, especially the one in the last minute of the game where James Rodriguez slips through Gilfie Sigurdsson and Gilfie Sigurdsson. I don't know how, um, if you're listening to this, you probably saw the highlights. I don't know how Gilfie Sigurdsson or any anybody, I don't know how you miss from there. Like I would put money on all three of us just tucking that away. It was not a hard change. It was literally like right on the penalty spot or maybe a little bit to the right of the penalty spot with an open net. You just have to slide that home. But against Burnley, you have to take your chances. And I didn't think Everton were convincing at all in this game. I just, I think that, you know, um, they just 
they're they're not as good that we we always speak we speak every week and i will shut up soon about it the fact that the squad depth as soon as as soon as you get injuries the squad isn't very good you see the substitutions jank tosin does jank tosin does he i don't think he starts for any premier league side in this entire league jank tosin he's the if if anything goes wrong up front jank tosin is the one to to get brought on which which isn't good at all which is Oh, it's just awful. Gilfie Sigurdsson, if, if he comes on and doesn't score, he offers nothing because he can't really do anything else, but doesn't even look like he can score these days. And then Andre Gomez, he was okay in some parts and really bad in others. He was okay with some of his passing, but kind of inconsistent across the board. But, you know, Everton just very it's, – it's a wasted opportunity, especially against a team that – you'd expect every every person as a fan i expect them to beat burnley and when they don't it's a huge um it's hugely disappointing especially because that would have brought them on that would have gave them 19 points in the table up to up to like sixth spot seventh spot with manchester united and i think it's just just a waste it's really disappointing especially i think a lot of it had to do with the fact that it was a 7 30 a.m kickoff for, for for me watching but a hugely disappointing result in in an opportunity wasted to to kind of turn uh, Everton's form around. But overall, what, what did you guys think about it? I mean, you did pretty much cover it all. Uh, there's not not much I could add to it. Just Burnley getting one sixth of their of their season's points uh, in this game. So just to make myself mm-hmm. feel better, I'm kind of bringing that up just to throw a little humor into it. But um, Honestly, the only thing that I've been wondering is just like I haven't seen much of Hamas. To be honest, I think there's a stat where he hasn't scored or assisted since game week four. Obviously, I think he's a really, really good player. Um, I just don't know like what's going on. It seems like if he's not set, creating the goals or scoring them, that Everton's form kind of matches with that. Um, I'm not sure if it's accurate or not. Like, is there any reason why he's not performing as well, or is it just like adaptation and just bad luck? So, yeah, a lot of people thought that he's gone missing lately. I saw a stat, though, that he's got, like, the most, the most like, second assists in the league, I believe. And he has been good. And like I said, it was for that chance for Gilfie Sigurdsson. It was James who played him through. And that would have been one of the best assists of the season. It's kind of, you know, it's against Burnley especially. It's kind of one of those things that if like, you, you have to score your chances that you do get because they're so tight at the back. But. Um, yeah, I would say in, in other games, especially right around the international break, I, I would definitely agree with you. I think he tailed off a little bit. Um, he was injured for like two of them. Carl Ancelotti said after he wasn't fully fit. But then again, you kind of need him to be fully fit because if he's not creating chances and and, and passing and contributing in goals and assists and rather than just, um, you know, his defensive work, um, isn't the greatest, even though statistically I saw something from last game. I can't remember who it was from, but his actual like number of like presses and stuff and defensive actions like led the team against Burnley, which is yeah. very confusing because I, ne- I never would have saw that if uh, if I I wouldn't have thought that if I didn't see his stat. But what, what were you saying, Aiden? No, I think he actually like he doesn't really work that hard in like tracking back, but he has the second most tackles for Everton this season. Mm-hmm. It's just not no, it's in the very... right areas, I don't think, which is what people get concerned yeah. about. I saw like Ag Bon Lahore was saying today that he doesn't really have a lot of work rate. Obviously, people don't really respect some of uh, Gabby's opinions these days, but 
Um, I do agree a little bit. It was always going to be a concern, but uh, it's a, it's a season and it's overall season. I think it, like Jake was saying, when Everton are good, he's going to be the main man. And when they're not good, he, he's going to play some, some passes and some passage of play. He's going to create all that and other people aren't going to take their opportunities. So I think it's kind of a double-edged sword where you're going to think he's not doing as well because the overall numbers aren't coming up. But if you watch the game for the most part, I, th- I think he's doing decently. Yeah, uh, I was yeah, more I concerned with – I think it's more concerning with the defensive areas of Everton. And from when I watched the game, I just saw like how it was easy sometimes for Burnley to pump balls forward and actually get at Everton's defense just by like one lumped ball upfield. And then just like flicking it on or something, which I don't know if it's really organization as much as it's just like application of the players, to be honest, because like, it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple tactics from Burnley. You know what you're going to get. Like there's not too much to really go over, but I don't know what you guys think. Yeah. I think the once they, I, I think it's time that Everton, they did in this game, they got to drop the three or five at the back, whatever they're playing and just go to the four at the back and uh, we'll see a lot of improvements. Cause that's what they were doing at the start of the season. It was definitely better defensively. It wasn't perfect at the start, but it was definitely better um, in the first half, especially uh, I thought the defending was, it was just, just not, yeah, not organized. And like you said, Aiden, we know exactly what you're going to get from Burnley. They're going to hit it up. You're going to get Chris Wood to just, just hold it up and, and flick it onto somebody and go from there. So yeah. And when you make those mistakes, obviously Burnley are, are going to capitalize. So um, once they switched to four at the back, I thought that the defending, I thought Mina and, and Keen were a little bit better. I thought Godfrey who got switched to left back, which again, not his natural position. He should just be one of the center backs in a back four, but defensively I thought Godfrey did really well, but offensively, obviously if it's not his position, he didn't offer anything. I thought Alex Awobi played really well for the whole game and all the all the um, creativity came from him and Hamas, in my opinion. And I thought, again, it was another game, Richarlison, very wasteful. You know, he, he always works hard, but in th- games like these, you need your your best players to to score the goals. And I just didn't think he was he was very, very sharp. But again, overall, it's not a lot to say about the game. It's just an op- really an opportunity wasted to to climb the table and in what was uh, an important game to turn the the form around. And I will say, Everton play Chelsea next week. We can get on to the Chelsea Leeds game right now, but I can tell you, and I think you guys will agree with me, Chelsea is one of the like that's one of the worst teams I'd want to play. Like Timo Werner against our center backs, good night. He's going to score ten goals. Mm. But can I just uh, touch on one more thing? Yeah, I just think it's like kind of poignant to United and Everton as like leaders in the defense. And I think like Coleman is actually really good at that and being vocal and telling other players what to do and and where they're supposed to go. And without him, the defense doesn't really look the same. I know he might not give like the best individual performances, but I think he's kind of a leader for the Everton defense and United don't really have that either. So I think that's a big, a big thing to think about. That is true. I, I should mention that it, it's probably not too often where any Premier League side has both of your starting fullbacks injured for 
quite a long period of time, but you know, with, with obviously they don't have much squad depth, but I hope they can figure something else out because uh, you don't want to derail the season, but obviously there's going to be a drop off, but move on. Chelsea uh, leads um, Chelsea. This was the most dominant performance against Leeds that any team has put up in my opinion. And I thought Chelsea from start to finish just absolutely dominated this game. Um, just all the start. They have so much quality and you got to give credit to Frank Lampard. If we're going to criticize him when, Things aren't going well, but he's got it right right now. And Chelsea, they just look like such a good team at the moment. Yeah, so um, I I only watched the first half of this one since I had to go to work and I was having some uh, some severe internet issues, so I didn't see as much as a game as as I would have wanted. It wasn't really that clear cut or anything. From what I did see, though, it did look like a good game. Obviously, um, <clears throat> lead scoring early through Bamford uh, back on Sanford Bridge. Scoring against a team where he grew up, broke through, whatever. Um, that was good for him. Olivier Giroud continues a hot run of form, scoring in the first half. Um, there's also a big blow for Leeds in this game where uh, their center back, Robin Koch, he had to be subbed out with a knee injury. Uh, and then he he underwent surgery today, I believe. So he's going to be out for a long time. So uh, Diego Lorente, he'll have to come in who I, I honestly had forgotten that Leeds signed just because I hadn't seen him up to this point. Uh, the center back from Sociedad, but uh, we'll see. I'm sure he'll do well. Bielsa's teams usually, they're not easy to adapt to, but they're pretty technical. So I think coming from La Liga, that could help him quite a bit. <clears throat> but like you guys said, it was it was a comprehensive performance from Chelsea. I was just looking at the stats here, 23 shots, 11 on target, compared to eight shots and three on target from Leeds. Um like you said, Jack, really the first team that I've really, really given Leeds a, a big test. Um, even even Liverpool, I think Leeds had it a bit easier against them than against this Chelsea team. Um, I'm a little skeptical to just praise Lampard too much just because I have my, my preconceived notions and I hate going back on them. But uh, he is doing well at this point this season. Of course, spending $250 million is only going to help that, but... He's doing what's expected of him. Chelsea up in third place with only one loss this season. So, honestly, definitely better than I would have expected uh, at the start of the season. Um, and I guess we could consider them title challengers at the moment. I guess there's, there's maybe it's too early to decide those. There's quite a bit of teams up in there. Um, but, yeah, doing well, a good game. Uh, really, really ex- interesting to watch, especially in the first half. We have to mention Timo Werner's clearance on the goal line. Um probably the, the worst miss we I've ever seen. I don't know if there's any more that come to your guys' mind, but definitely the, the worst one that I can think of. That was, I don't, I don't even know how he missed that. He could have just let the header go in from his teammate, but he got greedy. He wanted to go for himself. And then he just ended up clearing it off the crossbar. So it was, it was pretty shocking, but, but very, very funny. And uh, I was quite happy to see it. Um, but other than that, I don't really have anything of note or of, of real value to add to this um, since I didn't see the whole game. Aiden, what did you see, especially in the second half? Yeah, I agree definitely with Jack. It was really good performance from Chelsea. Really impressive. Uh, the first half, though, I got it has to be said, I was really impressed with uh, Calvin Phillips again. I thought for the most part in the first half, he had a really, really good performance. And I was kind of just trying to compare him to Conte, and I thought he was getting the better of it uh, overall in the first half. Um, 
From a Chelsea perspective, though, it looks like their back four is pretty settled at this time. Chilwell, James on the fullback areas, and then Zuma and Thiago Silva. Zuma popping up with another goal. I think that gives them four in the league, makes them their top scorer in the league. Another great header. And Mason Mount was kind of the key factor for me in the team, really pushing the ball forward, carrying it, uh, playing that corner and for Zuma. And as much as we like to give him stick as uh, Lampard's son, he had a really good game. Uh, I'm still waiting for Havertz to hit the heights. He kind of looks slow and not very physical in the Premier League. So that would be a little bit concerning. And Ziyech uh, went off injured as well. And I just find it funny how Giroud is all of a sudden the main man again at Chelsea with all these attacking options. He's just the old reliable uh, kind of Premier League proven striker. And what is it? he have eight in his last four or something like that? I can't, I can't remember the numbers. Is that right? Yeah, eight in his last four, whatever it is. They're not helping me out here, guys. Sorry about that. Um, from a Leeds perspective, though, yeah, this was really the only time, especially in the second half, where I thought they were completely dominated. Uh, and they, they couldn't really get a foothold in the game after they were kind of Chelsea equalized. Pavedo looked bright in the second half, and he could have had a penalty perhaps from Chilwell when he didn't go down. Um, but... Uh, I think Chelsea deserved to win the game, so I, I can't really argue with that. And then uh, Werner providing an assist for Pulisic because Werner can't score himself, so he had to get the assist there. And I think this game really just showed the depth of Chelsea. They have many different players that can rotate through positions. And for me right now, they have the maybe the second best uh, all-round squad in the league. So as I said last week, they're going to finish in the top three for me regardless of Frank Lampard and his tactical naivety at some points. That's it. Yeah, I agree with almost like pretty much everything you said, Aiden. I thought that leads, especially especially in the second half, I think almost we know leads to be super physical and athletic team. It was almost as though they they kind of fell off a little bit with their, their fitness. They did look tired, especially towards the end of the game. But again, it comes down to the – really comes down to the depth of Chelsea. Like I'm looking, obviously Ziyech went off and if Hakim Ziyech goes off, you can bring on Christian Pulisic, who's a very good player. They brought on Tammy Abraham and they have Kovacic on the bench as well. Just to have those options is absolutely insane. So, you know, even if they get injuries here and there, they're pretty much covered uh, throughout the the whole season. They're going to, they might have a couple of injuries here and there, but they would be, they will be covered. It's it's insane because they're not just bringing in like stop gaps. They're bringing in players that are really going to add something. Like, um, like to bring like bringing those guys off the bench. I I'm terrified when they play Everton next week. They're going to absolutely destroy them. They're, Everton have like no chance in that game. Like Timo Werner, just so so much pace. They've got everything. I thought, like you said, Aiden. I thought Mason Mount played really well in this game. I completely agree with you about Kai Havertz. He's, he is, and I don't want to be too critical because he is still super young and he's obviously proved himself in, in the Bundesliga already, but I have not seen anything from him. He does. He looks, looks slow. He does not look, uh, he does not look heavy enough, like not strong enough. And I haven't really seen it yet. I'm sure like, uh, I'm sure he'll, he'll come good or he should come good because he's supposed to be super, super talented, but that could just be, just be me not understanding the game, but uh, no matter how you look at it, this summer transfer window, even 
like Lampard's doing a good job right now, you could say with their position in the table. And I think long-term it's just really going to show how, how good this, this team actually is because they've got such a good and deep squad. And when, like I said, when these injuries come, they're going to be prepared. And I don't know how other teams are going to cope with that, but I think Chelsea will be one of the teams that are definitely going to benefit. And like we said, all three of us at the very start, of the season Chelsea is a team that's going to be able to make it through difficult periods of form because they have different options uh, as substitutes for injuries, but also different options and different types of players for different formations and, and, and tactics, et cetera. So it's uh, it was a very, very impressive win for Chelsea and uh, hopefully they don't beat Everton too bad next week. I'm fully expecting an absolute hammering, but uh, I've already prepared myself for that, so it's fine. Uh, move on now. We'll, we'll, let's talk about the United-West Ham game. So, Manchester United come back from behind uh, to win 3-1 at West Ham. Uh, very strange game, and definitely, I don't want to really sound cliche, but a game of two halves, because pro- probably a game of 60 minutes and 30 minutes, because West Ham, for most of this game, were much the better team, and then United turned it around and turned on the style once Paul Pogba got an absolute screamer as an equalizer. But what were your thoughts on this one, guys? Yeah, like you mentioned, it was really different from half to half. Uh, honestly, going at halftime as a United fan, I, I could not have had any complaints if you never were down 3 0, 4 0. It was that bad. Um, <clears throat> obviously, it's a little worrying. Uh, even though United came back to win this game, it shouldn't take the other team scoring a goal or two goals to for United to to start playing well, which is kind of obviously a concern uh, coming up against the, the bigger, better teams who, once they score first, they don't afford as many chances uh, to come back. Um, but yeah, like we said, um, West Ham probably deserved at least a draw from this game. They had a lot of chances. I think Bowen came close a couple times. I think Fornals hit the post and missed a missed a header that he probably should have scored. I know Bowen missed a shot that he probably should have scored in the second half uh, early on. Haller. Yeah, Haller too. Um, so, yeah, really, they, they had a lot of chances to, to win this game. And then the substitutions at halftime from Solskjaer really worked out. Uh, Rashford and Bruno coming on. Bruno creating eight chances in, the, in 45 minutes, which is the most that anyone's created in any Premier League game this season, which is obviously impressive considering he did it in 45 minutes. Uh, uh, assisting on which goal was it? Um, uh, Pogba's goal. Um, where obviously there was there was some controversy over if the ball traveled out of bounds or not. Um, at watching the game, to be completely honest, I thought the ball went out of bounds, but there's no way to prove that it did. So I'm gonna say it stayed in. So it was a, a legitimate goal, um, which is what we like to see from the referees. If you're not sure, don't make the call. Um, other than that, yeah. Um, but yeah, after the ball stayed in, uh, Bruno played the pass to Pogba, and it was a it was a really good shot from what was it, 25, 30 yards out. Uh, really impressive. But right in the in the top corner, Fabianski just got a little touch onto it, but he couldn't keep it out. It was really really accurate and full of power, so nothing you could do about it. Just three minutes later, uh, Greenwood scoring after a great touch and swivel, just putting it in the bottom corner. Uh, Michael Owen was was really pleased with that finish, um, and just just Rashford icing it uh, in the 78th minute after a, again an amazing pass from Mata to send them on the break, 
uh, and then he just clips it over Fabianski. So it was a great goal. Again, though, uh, we saw Suchek scoring from a corner. It's been a, an issue with United for a long time, um, which, which you know, we could kind of see see coming going into the game. I think, uh, well, I know for a fact, Aiden predicted before the game started that Suchek would score from a corner. So he was bang on with that one. Um, but overall, yeah, again, of course, you like to see your team come back from behind. There's nothing more thrilling than winning after you're, you're down, but it, it, it kind of covers up some some problems there that if United keep going down for some reason, then there, there must be a way to fix it um, because it's been a long, long time since I've seen a good first half from, from Manchester United, to be honest. Um, most of the time, it's just a, the second half that where, where they really start waking up. Um, but yeah, other than that, really, really pleased with the win that United probably didn't deserve. Took them up to fourth place at the time, sixth place in the table right now, so uh, performing well uh, this season, considering all the pressure that was on Solskjaer, probably undeservedly so. Um, but yeah, it's been a decently bright start to the season, um, and hopefully we we'll keep it up. Aiden, did you see anything else in this game? No, I think that I think the last good half, first half performance. I could be getting it wrong, but I think it was against Brighton um in locked after lockdown i think when greenwood scored in the first half and there was another goal i can't remember who i think it was uh, bruno's but, volley yeah okay that makes sense but for this game i thought i was actually just really impressed with west ham in the first half they're pressing and kind of for me they had a bit of a line of confrontation they wanted to allow uh mcguire and, and lindelof to play play the ball and they had four in midfield kind of isolating Pogba and McTominay so they couldn't get too much on the ball. And I thought that uh, Declan Rice had a good start to the game particularly and and Bowen like you touched on. Um, yeah, and I was just really impressed with that press, even though United were keeping the ball for the first 30 minutes, which Jake couldn't believe when he saw the stats, how much possession United had early on. It was basically just from their defenders. They didn't get moving the ball forward at all, which has just showed the pressing of, uh, of West Ham. And it is concerning, like we saw today again uh, against Leipzig, just how United have to go behind to kind of spark themselves. And on another day, the game would have been gone. West Ham would have taken their chances and it would have been over. How Lair rounding the goalkeeper and slipping over and Bowen missing that shot at the start of the second half uh, at the left post. Chances like that are... <laughs> You need to take those if you're going to kill the game, and they didn't do it. And to credit Solskjaer, he, he made some some changes, uh, bringing on uh, Pogba and Rashford and, and uh, Bruno. And, yeah, I just think that the quality told in the end, and maybe that's why some of those West Ham players don't play for bigger clubs because they let themselves down in key areas. I mean, Bowen, he looked like Messi, but then his end product was shite. Like he was, he was just running past Tellez at every moment, forcing him back. And then his end product was letting him down. And he is a good player. He's probably West Ham's most creative player, but his end product just wasn't there. And that's all I really have to say. There's not, not too much to add other than that. I think the first half, the three players in midfield were kind of just crowding each other out. Pogba and McTominay were kind of getting in each other's way. Sometimes McTominay and, and Van de Beek and Pogba would all kind of make similar runs so the defense couldn't play it to them. And then there would be two West Ham guys closing them down so the defense would pass it sideways. But 
we need to see some some kind of different performances and a different level of urgency from the beginning of the game from United, especially against City, or else they'll be three or four four nil down if they come out uh, how they did in this game. And like I always say, we'll see what happens. It's all there to uh, to watch in the next match. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, I thought I thought West Ham, they were really good the first half. And Aiden, I definitely agree with you. Jared Bowen looked so good in the first half. Like he could do everything except the final uh the final bit of quality on the ball, but he was very, very good. And West Ham were really good in the first half. Um I thought when when Ole made the subs, like when Bruno came on and Rashford came on, I think Rashford kind of Usually it's Bruno who who kind of carries the team, but I thought in that one, I thought Rashford was very, very good the number of times that he just got chances just from finding space and getting in behind, like like you saw when Matt played him through with a really good pass. But Rashford was looking for that run and available uh, for the entire time he was on the pitch. I thought as soon as Rashford went on the pitch, he was he was easily the best player. Um, but it, it was interesting. I can't can from from a neutral fan. Uh, but you can't really be too upset about it. The ball definitely went out when Henderson kicked that. But like, like we said, you can't say it didn't because there's no way to tell. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you introduce like a like a a camera down the line. But even then, like that that's barely ever going to happen. So it's just one of those. But it was funny to watch David Moyes after the game. They were asking him about what happened in the game, and he basically blamed that incident on why they lost the game which is not how the game works like it just just because that goes against you it's not the reason you lose the game and completely fall apart because West Ham for their defending in the last parts of the game was absolutely abysmal but yeah United slow start they come back I think it was like um it did have to do with a bit of individual brilliance though like like you said Pogba's shot was incredible just really really good quality that nobody else in the field probably has that besides Bruno uh, for the ability to strike a ball. Mason Greenwood's goal was absolutely incredible. That the the amount of like the difficulty that that takes with the first touch to be able to turn his defender like that and finish and to beat the keeper is a really good finish. Um, just really really good individual quality again. And then the third one with Mata showing that Juan Mata still has the magic in him with a really good ball through to Rashford. So, you know, it's a couple of moments to bail them out. I would, like you said, Jake, it is a little bit worrying at times with the, the slow starts, but at least you can, uh, I guess you can't for every single game, but in games like these, the individual quality, and like you said, Aiden, the individual quality does does shine and come through in moments. And and unfortunately, yeah, they, they came through and they got the three points and they're right up there in the table now. So it's not as bad as what everybody's making it seem for Manchester United, even though at times it's a little unconvincing. But yeah, they're up there in the table. And and uh, yeah, West Ham, after playing really, really well in the first half, come away with nothing. Uh, last thing I'll say, Declan Rice. I thought Declan Rice was very, very good in for most of this game, even in the second half when United got more control. So I'm going to create, especially as someone who criticizes Declan Rice and thinks he's a little bit overrated. I thought this season when I've watched him, he's been, he's been a lot better than what I've given him credit for. So yeah, he played well and that's, that's good to see. I think the last game, we're not going to go through all the games. Like I said, the last game we have to talk, we have to go over the North London Derby Spurs beating Arsenal two nil 
in what is an absolute classic Jose Mourinho performance that I don't think, especially the media talking about, it's a masterclass again. Again, not not a masterclass in my opinion. I think you guys will agree with me, but exactly what Mourinho does, and it was 100% effective today against an Arsenal side who this team does not look like they're ever going to score a goal ever in open play ever again. They might be done for the season, but um, Min Son with an absolute worldie for the for the first goal, and Harry Kane with another clinical finish on the counter attack to make it two nil. Um, in the first half, the game finished 2 0. What were your thoughts on this one, guys? Honestly, I thought it was a really good game. It was uh, it was nice to watch. Obviously, it was nice that I got off to a nice and early start um, with a, with a worldie from Sun uh, again. The link up between Kane and Sun just just devastating. Uh, I think between the two of them, they've accounted for seventy percent of Spurs' goals this season. So if one of them gets injured or off form, then. Uh, then it's not going to be good news for them. Speaking of which, at this point in this season, Harry Kane already has 10 assists, which is more than he's ever had in a season in his career. Um, obviously, we've talked about like him dropping back and stuff like that, but still, it's still pretty impressive. Um, I don't know. I feel like Mourinho played Arsenal exactly the way that he wanted to, just getting a nice, nice quick and early goal on the counter, getting into their heads, and then just forcing forcing them to have the ball, but like like you said, it doesn't look like Arsenal's likely to score. Um, and I think they were just spamming the cross, and I think they finished the game with like fifty crosses, uh, which obviously against Eric Dyer and and Alderweireld is not really going to be a, a way to score, especially with you know Willian and Lacazette in, in the box. Um, I don't think there were there was much chances from there. They were just kind of showing their desperation, just trying to get anything going with their crosses. Um, but yeah, otherwise it was a it was a good, a good game from Spurs, top of the table, um, and it was just weird. We, there was like that incident with Arteta and uh, Thomas Partey when he was he was injured and he was walking off the field when Arsenal were attacking, and then once um, Spurs started counterattacking, Arteta kind of pushed him back on the field, which obviously you're not you really shouldn't do with one of your own players who's injured. Like obviously he knows. But if he's walking off the field, he can't keep going. He's not. He's not doing it just to be like a, like a little baby or anything. It's not like he, he just doesn't want to play. Like obviously he can't. He couldn't continue. But Arteta pushed him back on and got a lot of criticism. Criticism for that. But it was weird because Arteta kind of doubled down in his post game press conference. He said that Thomas didn't have an understanding of the situation that that Arsenal were in at the moment. Which I, to be honest, I really think it was Arteta that didn't really understand what situation Thomas was in at that point. Obviously, if the guy's too injured to continue, you don't push him back on the field. You could lose him. I mean, you could lose him to like a, a aggravation of the injury. But if I was Thomas, I wouldn't really want to play for Arteta. Like this guy doesn't care if he's injured, and no, I just throws him back on the field, just like just treats him like he's there to do a job for him, and that's it. Like no, no regard for his welfare. So if I was Thomas, honestly, I'd be. I'd be really upset with Arteta, especially with the comments after the game. I mean, there was no reason for that. Obviously, Arteta's upset because he lost another game. Um, but I, I think he should probably be getting quite used to that at this point. So there's no reason to to take out his anger there on Thomas. Um, but yeah, otherwise, very happy with the game. Mourinho being Mourinho in the post-game press conferences, talking about animals and and um, and praising Arteta and Pep, and then adding the sentence that they've both lost 2 0 to my Spurs this season. So that was very funny from him. Um, he does come up with a good one liner here or now and then. So um, 
yeah, otherwise, very happy to see Spurs win this one. Uh, Aiden, what do you think about this game? Another shocking performance from Arsenal. 70% possession, but two shots on target. Horrible. Like, what is that? Just passing it around the outside. I mean, I, I don't really know what to say about them that hasn't already been said throughout this podcast and today. Granite Xhaka, horrible player. Not good. I don't know what he offers other than just completely fouling everyone. Just right the first kick of the game, just taking Harry Kane out, not even trying to get the ball. Just continues that throughout the match, passes it sideways. Uh, I think that some of their better players are very young. Saka and Tierney, Gabriel, those are really the only three players that can hold themselves in high esteem for me in Arsenal's club today. And... Uh, for Spurs, it, was, it wasn't it was a masterclass. It was just typical Mourinho performance. Very good quality on the counter from their two best players. Sun goal, very good. Reg Young got a, a, on the overlap and drew holding away a bit, but holding was just dropping off forever. He should have just went up to Sun earlier on before Reg Young made the run and perhaps fouled him if he was going to do anything. But I don't really rate Rob Holding. I don't think he's that good, and that's a very – worrying side of the defense with him and Bellerin on it. Yeah. Um, and Hoiberg uh, was very good again for Spurs. Uh, there's not too much to add. Just uh, Spurs, another good performance against some of the perceived top teams is probably going to receive from Spurs. And we'll see how it goes for Arsenal. They need to be picking up points sooner than later because right now they're 15th in the table and I hate to say it because everyone likes to say it about Ole, but Arteta's days should be numbered at this point because the lack of creativity is really something to behold here. And I know he's trying stuff out, playing Lacazette in a deeper role in number 10 and stuff, but no, just spamming the crosses from these terrible areas, just yeah. deep, deep in the, like deeper in the Tottenham half, like near the touchline, like not even at the byline kind of area, like, further back and never really going to win it. And then Mourinho just solidifies it by going to a back five. It's never really going to work, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm happy to see it. Honestly, um, I'll, I'll toot my own horn. I said Arteta wasn't that good at the start of the season. So it's been confirmed. Thank you very much. Move on. Yeah. And just like you said, they're just like trying players in new positions. Like Lacazette is number 10, like, good for you but there's got to be a purpose to it like what's the what's the point what's the gain out of doing that it's kind of weird like i don't really see and and there were stats um from this weekend arsenal are 17th in the league for goals scored 18th in the league for shots on target and 20th in the league for chances created so that's obviously relegation a relegation attack um, and if you look at the XG, almost every other single team is underperforming their XG, but Arsenal actually have more points than their XG says that they should have. So it's not like this is a, an anomaly or an accident. Like they deserve to be in 15th position, seven points out of the relegation zone. Um, so, yeah. so, so we're loving it. They're the Newcastle of last season. <laughs> They're not. Not a good look for that. What I what I'd be concerned about mostly is 
Obviously, I, I know Arsenal fans, they know the team's not the best and it does need investment. They don't. But when you look, like I'm looking through their lineup right now and you look at the front, Aubameyang is still very good. He's proved it and still not getting any service, even though I think he needs to do a little bit more than what he's doing. But players around him aren't, <laughs> let's be honest, they're not that good. We think Bukayo Saka is very good, but he is he's still very young. So you can't rely on him completely. Lacazette is not good. Let, let's be honest. He's not good. We can, we can all see that. He's not very good. Willian is not good. Like, I would be so frustrated if I had Willian in my team. Willian's not good. Grant Jack, I think the only thing he offers, Aiden, is a really good passing range. But other than that, yeah, he just goes in like rugby tackles people like in the first the first minute, like you said, in that one. Just rugby He's got a nice people. range of yellow cards on him. That is true. You might as well bet every single game Grant Jack a yellow card and you'll You'll be a rich man. Uh, Thomas Partey is a good player. Kieran Tierney's good. Gabrielle looks like probably their player of the season so far at the back. Rob Holding, like you said, Ian, Rob Holding. I don't think I'd take Rob Holding at Everton if I'm being completely honest. Like, Rob Holding. I don't know what happened to this guy. Like, I, I, I forgot he was still at Arsenal until I saw him play it just shows it just shows how bad is mustafi this guy can't get a game he must be awful these days yeah maybe he's coming back from injury but that that's just speculation because i i don't know at this point but you know what i mean when you're going through like bellerin 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 keeps all these foul throws how many foul throws is this guy gonna have it's ridiculous i think i saw a stat he's got like like a high percentage of the total Premier League foul throws this this year have all come from him alone. Yeah, he has the most. But when you're looking, yeah, when you're looking when you're looking through the team, it needs a lot of investment. Which you can understand. Okay, Arteta might not have the best options at his disposal, but the the most worrying thing for me is in his post game, Arteta was saying he was very happy, and the team did exactly what he asked, and he basically said well, that's football, just kind of said some things don't don't go your way these times. And like from a neutral, you can see that that's not football. You're never going to get anything out of that game from spamming in the crosses. It was never going to happen. And that mm-hmm. would be worrying. Like, I don't know, maybe he's protecting his players and doesn't truly believe that, but we haven't seen any changes in the playing style when they're trying to break teams down. They just keep passing it around, like left back to center back to center back to right back to right mid to William all the way back around again, just in this big horseshoe with, and then spamming it across that doesn't go anywhere. It's just a hopeful ball. And if that's actually what Arteta thinks, then that is definitely a worrying sign. If he thinks, Oh, it's going to happen. We just need to keep doing that because it's not going to work. It won't work against almost every single team in this league. It's pretty easy to defend against, but it's also interesting went back back in the day you'd never say let arsenal just attack us you'd always want to go and attack them because it's always they're defending that's pretty uh pretty suspect but now arsenal they just look really toothless and not creating any chances whatsoever and they're desperately desperately in need of an attacking midfielder i don't want to go into the ozil thing again but she makes it look like such a shocking deal now but arsenal not looking good spurs uh literally ex- the exact Mourinho performance. And I think that um, if Spurs are, and I'm still not entirely convinced just because we know what Spurs do and, and Spurs are Spurs, but uh, we do know that from this game, you can see Mourinho in terms of game management and managing his squad and fitness, that sort of thing. 
I think that is one of the the main things that can um, help Spurs be super successful or even mount a title challenge is the fact that uh, he's willing to just sit back all game and let his players not make these huge sprints all games in high intensity, just very much um, just efficient, just do the defending and get out and use almost as little energy as possible in order to kind of rest the players that way. And then the last thing I'll say, we mentioned Harry Kane being more of like a false nine. Harry Kane definitely needs to stop doing his WWE like back under the players when they jump because that guy's going to break somebody's neck doing that. What, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think it, it's not really good. Um, it is dangerous. Like you saw it with Gabriel. I mean, the way he fell, it was, it was pretty bad. Um, and we've seen it uh, repeatedly from him. Obviously, there was, an, I think, an instant in the Everton game. I think it was Andre Gomez against Chris Wood. That was kind of the same thing. But obviously, Andre Gomez is, is not like a – a repeat offender like it was honestly the first time i've seen him do something like that where kane there's videos of him circulating doing it not every single week but we've seen it on on multiple occasions it's really dangerous i obviously i don't think he's trying to hurt the other team he's just trying to to win win some fouls but i think he, he needs to realize the position that he's putting in the other guys uh that they're they're high up in the air and they don't really have any control over where they're landing or how they're landing so it's 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 not good for him, and he, he really needs to. Someone needs to let him know to to stop uh, stop going going for challenges like that. We could really endanger someone else. Yeah, I just think just have eyes for the ball and jump for it. That's all. I don't know. You're a big striker. Just win the header. That's it. You don't need to be doing that. What do you guys think, Jack? Yeah, I just think it's something that the refs have to be very, very uh, strict on with him because he keeps doing it. It's not good. It is dangerous. And no, it's not like you're not allowed to do it in rugby when they when they jump up. But just just because the way that people can land, you're going right under them. It's it's not a good look. And obviously, I don't think he's trying to hurt anybody. He's just trying to like win the ball. But he's it's not good when you keep repeating the same thing it's going to end up hurting somebody really badly and n- nobody wants to see that so uh yeah do you guys have uh anything else i i think that covers it we don't want to go through all the games today like obviously man city won liverpool won again games that kind of went exactly as you'd expect um do you have any final thoughts before we wrap it up not not much for me no just uh the the situation with pogba and his agent that we've seen um I don't know if I really want to get into that right now because I'm not, I'm not feeling the most uh, uh, motivated to talk about United. But just a, added added to the tension this week. I don't know if you want to get into it or something else, Aiden. But uh, what's on your mind? Yeah, nothing on my mind. I'm just excited for the derby. It's a big game in the league. I don't really get that concerned. Uh, I love United, and of course, I get sad when they lose, but. It's just a different period than when I started watching under Sir Alex, so I don't really get get too emotional. It's it's to be expected, kind of, and I've already said under this ownership, it's likely not going to change. As for Pogba, I personally think he had a little bit of influence in that because Royola would not be putting out these statements without the approval of Pogba. He is an employee of Paul Pogba. You do not see him putting out all these outlandish statements for 
Zlatan Ibrahimovic and his other clients. So I think Pogba is a little bit to blame. Of course, Raul likes to get a little bit of an agent fee and spark a little bit of controversy, but... I will say, in terms of Everton, I've already accepted that Chelsea are going to absolutely destroy us next week. So it's just a matter of trying to not lose the game too bad, and then hopefully hopefully we get some some uh, good injury news and get players back to full fitness and, and continue with our season from there. But uh, I'm pretty sure that that's everything for this week. Uh, follow us on Twitter at OTLSoccerPod. Send in your questions by email at OTLSoccerPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, thank you for listening, and we will be back next week. Bye.